All right, and welcome back. This is Get Inspired and Innovate. And in this episode, we're going to talk about the growth mindset. And we're going to focus on teachers and teacher mindsets in this uh, episode. Stephanie, I know that, that you work with teachers one-on-one every day. Uh, what, what do you see about the mindset of teachers, where education is going? Are we going to the right places when we're educating them? What are you seeing when you work with teachers on a daily basis? Um, so when I first started my job um, two years ago, a lot of my teachers were kind of closed-minded, but I think it was also because they didn't have a relationship with me. Um, tech was very new then. Um, a lot of, like, I think Google Cal- uh, Classroom came out, like, in 2014. So a lot of teachers, when I first started, never tried or took any risks because tech was so new to everybody. And I think through building a relationship and creating a collaboration with teachers and allowing them time to create and talk with other individuals really allow them to gain that growth mindset. What about you, Lance? Yeah, so also I work with teachers on a daily basis too to integrate technology into the classroom. Uh, every now and then I'll get that pushback of, well, why do we need this computer? Why are we, why are we changing this? My textbook and me standing up lecturing um, is just as good for them as it was for me when I went to school and they did it that way. You, you know, but I don't, I have to kind of work with them and show them that, you know, this is a collaboration piece. This is getting students to information that we've never had access to before and, and really point them to the direction of, you know, we're trying to do what's best for our students here. And uh, just like the pencil at one time was a piece of technology, um, you know, and it took the pencil a hundred years to get into the classroom after it was uh, created. Uh, the computer is just a piece of technology. It is something that can enhance our learning, enhance our classrooms, and give our students the opportunity to go and find information like they never have before. Today we're here with Michael Feldman. He is a instructional technology coach. There's so many different names in Ohio. My position's a coordinator, but a lot of other people are coaches. So he is an instructional technology coach, and he has just got a new job with Orange City School District. He will be a sixth grade instructional coach with Bradford Bailey Middle School. He is a level one and level two Google certified educator, and he is very excited for this new career with Orange City School District, where he'll be helping sixth grade students and teachers use technologies in innovative ways. Me and Michael connected at OETC. Um, He came to one of my sessions and it was Shark Tank. And immediately I knew this, um, I knew Michael needed to come onto our podcast just because of how hilarious he was and easy to connect with. He allowed other educators to kind of create a growth mindset in our group. When we first started our Shark Tank, it was like, what you're not presenting to us Um, You're actually having us create, and Michael was like all on board, and he was very helpful with getting others to get outside of their comfort zone and create and try to become competitive. Michael, didn't your group win that Shark Tank? No, I think someone had better, uh, a theme track I think was the key to the other group winning. I was very disappointed because I don't like coming in second. Um, So Michael, how do you feel about growth mindset? I think it's the way that education needs to go. I see a lot of teachers who are still trying to hold on to their roots and what they were taught. And I I think our job as integration specialists or coaches or whatever they want to call us is 
to help facilitate teachers to become facilitators so that students can take ownership and so that students can take a leadership role in their own education. Do you think a lot of students have a growth mindset or kind of a fixed mindset? I think when they start off, they have a growth mindset, but I think schooling the way that we do it traditionally kind of almost strips that away. And I think that we need to get back to letting kids understand the thrill in learning. And I know it's taken me a long time to accept that. So I, can, I sympathize and can kind of meet the teachers on that level with how hard it is to let go. And I think technology is a great tool and a great avenue to let that happen. So Michael, yeah, I, I heard you say the words facilitate uh, learning there. Kind of flesh that out a little bit to us. What, what do you mean by facilitate learning? So in the last year, um, the big push of the school district that I was with was uh, project-based learning. And the best way that I found to implement it with the teachers I was working with is to come up with like a back storyline and give the kids tools that they could use to solve the problems, to create the projects, depending on which avenue you take PBL. And the teachers be there as a resource, not the instrument in learning. And it takes a lot of practice and a lot of diligence on the teacher's part to see the payoff. But as soon as the payoff starts to come, I, I kind of think of the payoff coming like Scrooge McDuck sliding down the gold mountain in his vault. It, it comes so fast and furious that it's hard to contain in the best way possible. So you're talking about facilitating learning here. Uh, you know, back when probably the three of us went to school before the internet age, the teacher and the textbook held all the information and the right. teacher was in front of the classroom and regurgitate or, or, you know, spoke the information. And then we were supposed to regurgitate that information onto a test, onto a worksheet, something like that. So today you're saying that this is transitioning and that our students now have a uh, broader opportunity to learn because of the internet age and because the information is now everywhere. Exactly, and it also, it addresses the, the age-old question, why? Like, I no longer could see some of the kids sitting in the, question, sitting in the back of the room just continually asking, why? Well, why? I don't get it, why? Why am I doing this? And one of the best pieces of example is, um, we, we've taken a new look um, at my former position of how to teach digital literacy and digital citizenship and also to how to protect the devices and make the kids have an ownership of their devices as well because financially that could be an issue. So we've taken what we used to do as a one-time slide deck from Google Slides and then a Google Forms test where we had to had the kids pass at 100% to it's now PBL style. And when I say that is the opening page of their website that they'll have says you have come into possession of an abandoned Kmart. So they're going to inherit a business and they have to do the technology pieces that a business would. So like their first task is one of their promotions for their first year of operations will be that 
they have to find a organization that they want to donate a percentage of their profits to. So we gave them four real life philanthropies and two fake websites that could be real philanthropies. And they have to, um, I've been told the terms laterally read, which one of the articles, they have to find one of the two that are fake, tell the teacher why, and explain why. And embedded into the website are BrainPop videos and Info Ohio, which for those who don't know, is a library resource that's gifted to all public schools in Ohio that has things like EBSCOhost and uh, World Books. And the things that we used to go to the library and look through the card catalog for, they can do digitally. Um, that's, that's provided free to all public schools in Ohio. And different articles, I think there's a Newzella article on there. And so the kids are taking the learning and then applying it. And it goes as far as like they have to build a fake social media page for their business. And then the older grades have to actually go through fake social media pages and find out what's wrong with it, things like that. Um, so like when I was in school, pretty much all the way from kindergarten until well, probably second grade, we'll say. Second grade until I graduated college, I had a really fixed mindset. Um, I hated school. It was a lot of, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I don't want to do that because it was a lot of direct instruction. Um, me sitting there and the teacher, you know, teaching in front of the class. But I don't know what the switch was for me, but I think more of the collaboration and adding the problem-based learning into my own classroom, it started to change my mind, my mindset. Um, so what kind of tips would you have for educators to create that growth mindset if they do have that fixed mindset? Like what can they do to learn from others or grow rather than saying, oh, I can't do that or having a negative mindset towards things? Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> um, as, as weird as that is to say and as easy it is to say, it's just as hard to accept and to do. I've often thought, like, if I went back into the classroom as a full-time classroom teacher, would I be doing the things that I'm suggesting? And some of them, yes. All of them, no. Because what's right for one person isn't always right for another person or another thing. Um, how do you get to that point? I think you practice and you, you lean on the resources that your district provides you. If you're lucky enough to have a technology specialist or integrationist or coach or even a, a regular education coach or a specific subject matter coach, lean into them. Be like, hey, I want to step outside of the box. I want your support for this. Uh, one of the things that really helped my teachers last year was a program called StartSoul.org. It's a Cleveland-based company that is that you come up with a big question and it's open-ended and there's no right or wrong answer. There's no yes or no. And they have a lesson database that you could pull from if you're not comfortable with being creative. So the kids eventually create their own groups and then go to have the class period to be introduced to the question, time to do their research, and then time to present their research. 
So a good question would be like, why did the French and Indian Wars start? There's no real right answer. There's a bunch of little things that led up to it. And depending what they come up with and how they present it is where it is. We use that to teach the kids how to collaborate versus working together. And what I mean by that is when you divvy out different jobs for one end result, that's collaboration. Working together is saying we have this one job to do and taking at it with two heads instead of one. Okay. <laughs> our next section is the meme and quote section, which is our favorite section. So, Michael, what quote or meme did you want to talk about today? So, I picked the quote, um, it's shoot for the moon, even if you miss you land among the stars. And, and that ties into how I was saying get comfortable being uncomfortable. It, if you have a goal, it's okay to miss it. It's okay to fail. And this quote is by, where's his name? Les Brown? Yeah. So do you want me to say that part over again? No, it should be fine. Okay. So I, I saw this quote when I was doing my first year teaching shopping for my classroom. And I saw it. And the school that I had, that I was at, had a um, star theme. I was like, this is perfect. Because you, you always hear, reach for the stars. But to me, this quote tells you that goals need to be obtainable. And if you miss your goal, it's okay. You're still further than what you have. Which also ties into teachers becoming facilitators and kind of how everything that we've talked about, I think this quote sums it up in a really great way. I know it's not funny like your grumpy cat, Stephanie, but <laughs> I, I had to take it serious and go heartfelt for a minute. No, that was good. Um, I agree with that quote. I think even if we do try, at least we get a little bit closer to the goal where we realize what we don't need to do the next time we try it again. Um, so I really like that quote. My quote, I did not go with Grumpy Cat this time, um, is if the goal is don't fail, then the result is we fear is don't innovate. So if we think that the goal is to not fail, we won't try new things and different stuff like that. So that shouldn't be our goal. And we need to have different goals so we can be innovative because you are gonna fail if you are innovative. Um, and that's totally okay. It's just like Michael's quote, you've got to take when you do fail and learn from it to make it better. And, and I think teachers celebrating failure of their students is a huge success. If you look, there's hundreds if not thousands of examples of celebrities and famous people and, and true innovators of the past failing. And I was reading The Space, A Guide for Educators, and I just finished the book. And one of their suggestions is to post, not the final product of students' work, but the process. Mm -hmm. So step one, step two, step three, and it just kind of changed my mindset a little bit. Like we so often just go, here's the final project of them succeeding, but it doesn't show all the steps of them having to go back and re-edit or make corrections. And then you can have um, deeper conversations with students about their failures and that process of their end product. 
so are you familiar with a really Sorry, good go book? Go ahead. Are you, are you familiar with the extension? I think it's an extension called Draftback. It might be an add-on. Is that where you can watch the students? Yeah. Where, yeah. That, that's kind of what your, your, your last statement reminded me of. Awesome. You know, in, in my school district, we have what's called the Flop Award. Uh, we've got a flip. We've got a flip flop that's been bedazzled, and uh, we give it to teachers who try to do uh, creative or innovative things in the classroom, and it just totally flops. Okay, uh, and we vote on it uh, monthly on, on who gets that award. That we'll have teachers share stuff that that they they tried and just didn't work uh, because you know with with just a few small tweaks into what they did. It could be the greatest thing in the world, but if if they don't try, and if they feel like that, uh, if they try and fail, that they're going to be uh, punished for it, uh, then they're not going to try things. So we have what we call the flop award. I think that I think it's great. So my quote for the day is: Education is not the learning of facts, but the training of the mind to think. So I always like to relate everything to the future and to the job force and things like that. Um, you know, all the things that I learned in school, not many of them really prepared me for my day-to-day -day interactions with people, uh, my job that I do. Uh, it's, it's the problem-solving skills, though, and uh, the learning of how to deal with different situations that has prepared me for that. So I think that's one thing that we have to remember is uh, not all the things that we're teaching students are going to use every day, such as algebra and calculus that I teach. Uh, but those problem-solving skills, that endurance, that perseverance that they're learning there will prepare them for the future. You hit the nail on the head. I, I, that's one of the reasons why I like project-based learning so much is because it, in the name of it, they work on a project. All right, and we're going to move on uh, to our next section. This is Innovation for Tomorrow uh, and something that we learned this week that would help us be innovative for tomorrow. So, Michael, what's something that you learned this week that is innovated for tomorrow? So, I learned of, some, of two tools inside Google Slides that just blew my mind. Uh, the first one is replace image. So, if you're using a template, if you highlight or if you just click a picture, next to where it says image options, there's a little button that says replace image. So if you have something sized or cropped perfectly and you need to just change the image out, it does that and keeps the formatting, which saved me hours of work at one point. So the other, I, I cheated a little bit. I have two things. Um, the other thing is when you're presenting in the mindset of UDL, which is Universal Design for Learning, which I think is near and dear to your heart, Stephanie, is a, is a feature that's new to me where it's closed captioning. So what happens is the microphone in your computer gets turned on while you're presenting, and at the bottom, it's a live closed caption. Is it perfect? No. But it's pretty close. And if we can do something that works better for our kids, why are we not? And if you want to keep that for whatever reason, so you could always use Loom or Screencastify, or if you have another product that you like for screen recording, to record those as well so that they can watch it over and over again. And on Twitter, me and Michael, we're kind of having a conversation about closed captioning, I think with Jake Miller a little bit. And I actually saw it more in action. I'm too afraid to still try closed captioning, but 
Um, I watched it with the Google session at ISTE. It was like Schools Anywhere was their session. And it did not pick up any ums. Really? Yeah. And I was amazed by that. Now you have to try it because that was your big fear. Yeah, that was my big fear. And that was my fixed mindset. So now that I know it doesn't capture my ums, I might be able to use closed captioning when I present now. So something that I learned this week for my idea is using Google Slides is probably my favorite tool and you can change the size of a Google Slide. Um, so I saw like a lot of people creating like books and changing the size and the format of the Google Slide so they could create a book um, rather than using the regular default setting, actually making it lay out a little bit different where you can make like a business card type setting um, and changing it that way. Um, also, checking out Common Sense, they've made a lot of updates this summer, and they have created all of their information for their digital citizenship into a Google slide, where you can now interact that way, rather than kind of the lesson plan and having to take that information and make it your own. And so I wanted to just send out our digital citizenship plan for this year, and I just took the Common Sense Google slides and added Pear Deck to them. So if you want to use them, they are for fifth and sixth grade, feel free. And then I just kind of need some help with like, what are people doing with parents? Um, we have a lot of parents that don't understand digital citizenship. And so any ideas on how to create that community with parents, um, either sending home resources or parent nights, what kind of ideas do you have to help get them more involved? For me, th this one was a big one for me. It sounds so small. I was, uh, I was presenting at a conference um, about three, three weeks ago and uh, was showing teachers how to look at the revision history. So I, I do a lot with Google Draw and interactivity tools. So, you know, as I'm teaching one class period, I'll mess up my whole Google Draw file. So I showed them how you can go file, see revision history, and then go back to the previous version so you can fix it back to where you started, uh, whether it's in a station rotation or you got the next class period coming in. And uh, someone in the group uh, raised their hand and said, hey, you know you can just hit the all changes saved in drive button and it will take you straight to revision history. And I was like, no, I did not know that. So it saved me a click and it's actually really fast. So uh, when you're working in a Google Doc or Google Slides or Google Sheets to see the revision history, all you got to do is click all changes saved in drive and it will pull that up for you. And then you can change back to whatever version that you like. All right, Michael, how can people connect with you either on Twitter, email? What's the best way to reach you? Uh, best way is probably Twitter. And my Twitter handle is at Selbman Tech, F-E-L-D-M-A-N-T-E-C-H. All right. Thank you so much for Thanks. listening to Get Inspired and Innovate. We look forward to having you subscribe and listen to our next show. If you would like the show notes, they are on getinspiredandinnovate.com. And we look forward to having you listen next week. Have a great week.